So Jeffrey, we uh, flew you in here all this way, all this way to this to this live Zoom call. And there's a question we've just been dying to ask you here at uh, at our production studios. We are curious, which one, Ralph Lauren or Victoria's Secret? Got to choose one. For what? I, I look much better in Ralph Lauren's clothes. <laughs> you can take that question however you want, but you you answered it in a very well way. You could have ran with it in any direction. Oh, man. Thanks so much for being here. B, Jeffrey, Madoff, definitely a pleasure. Everybody be sure to check him out, his new book, which by the time this airs will be released, called Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. And you can find out more about it and see all the links where you can check it out at acreativecareer.com. That's acreativecareer.com. It's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today? Good, good. A pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and it's uh, it's exciting, right? First ever official book, right? First ever book launch. It is my first ever book launch. So yes, it's very very exciting, and uh, this is my virgin journey. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the uh, the new age book tour, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. you're right. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 uh, you know I'm on a new journey of discovery now. What's it like to promote a book? You know, uh, meeting people such as yourself, I guess it's not out of place to say to your audience that we were talking for 20 minutes before that, just getting to know each other a bit, which was kind of nice too. Definitely. Which is something we don't always get to do nowadays, right? Because it's click, click, click and do it and done. Move on. Well, you know, to that point, uh, when I would go into meetings and there'd be, you know, let's say we're at a conference room and there's 18 people there. Not too long ago, it used to be that you would talk to the people before the meeting started. And, you know, there would be a bonding that could take place. There could be an update that takes place, all of that. When you go into meetings now, just like in my classroom, everybody's just looking at their phones. And so I say to my students, you're missing an opportunity right off the bat. You've got a room full of people and you're all here because you're either working at the same place or you're in a classroom that you're all interested in the same subject, which is why you're here. Talk to each other. Don't text somebody who's not here. Be present and just talk. Just like what you and I were doing before we even started recording. So I'm a huge believer in that because I think although we're more technically, technologically connected, than ever before. I think people are feeling more isolated than ever before. So I think that, you know, you're click, 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 and all of that, and that people don't take the time. I think that's something we shouldn't lose. And that's within each of us as individuals, our control to engage people in conversation. Why do you think that is? I mean, it's, it's so tough nowadays to get somebody to want to speak to you and hold conversations. I mean, yeah, there's the select few, but then there's a lot that just, it seems like they're scared. To even engage. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think initially there was a great novelty to it. Uh, And I think that people like to put on an appearance of being incredibly busy and that they've always, you know, they're always doing something or whatever. Uh, I don't know the psychology behind it. uh, But I, I think that if you're looking 
to either build your business or if you're just looking to build a circle of friends or a network, you need to engage with people and have an actual conversation with people. So I think that that's something that we're losing. Yeah. And I hope it's not lost. Yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking back to when I was in college and if I was just sitting there texting, like there were some great friendships, relationships that I developed by the talk yeah. in between classrooms or right before class. Right. And how do you manage that now, especially with the current world that we live in? Your, your classroom has gone digital now. You, know, you, you do teach at Parsons uh, School of Design right. in New York and your class is called Creative Careers, correct? That's right. And you've had to make the switch like many others to go in digital. Yes. And how has that affected you and your students? So it's a, it's a good question because I think that not only myself, all others who teach and made that transition uh, are assessing with the students, so how's this going? And I would have a thing I called after hours. So when I finished the class, there would always be a group of students and we would talk and sometimes my guests would stay there too. <clears throat> and one of the questions was, so how do you think this is translating? Because my class, <clears throat> of course, was live. Excuse me. You're good. See, normally <clears throat> we would do like a cut out a camera action if this was like a live uh, TV interview or something like that. But here we are. You get, you get the real, real <clears throat> raw footage. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, so I, I speak with the students and other professors and other friends who are doing conferences on Zoom because I'm trying to learn <clears throat> the what's the most effective way to communicate using this medium so that it still engages the students and it's interactive. And uh, because I had used Zoom a lot before, uh, I decided that I was going to try to make the Zoom experience very similar <clears throat> to the live experience. So unlike most people, I have the students come in and I don't mute them. <clears throat> I want there to be chatter and cross talk. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and how, big uh, is, how big is your classroom usually? Uh, there's usually 50 some people. Oh, wow. So, <clears throat> you know, then, uh, I say good morning and I have everybody else say good morning at the same time. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm trying to make that relatable <clears throat> to how the live class is. And even though I'm home doing this stuff, you know, when I teach, I wear a tie and I wore a tie. I didn't need to, everybody's, you know, I'm not wearing pants even now, by the way, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, I wanted the, these visual conventions to be the same. Oh, he's still dressed up. He's still taking this seriously, although I joke about it and in class all the time. Mm -hmm. The main difference is there's an energy when you're in person with people, you know, uh, whether it's a serious topic, whether I get people laughing, <clears throat> uh, the interaction with the guest when you're in person with the guest, that's a big deal too in terms of feeling that energy, reading their body language, all those things, which isn't the same online. So I've tried to make it as familiar as possible, even though we're using what to many is a new technology. Yeah. I think I've made it work pretty well. 
I'm learning how to do it better because I'm just constantly researching how other people are doing it, going to other conferences and seeing, oh, this is a cool aspect we could do. So I incorporated polling into the class, you mm-hmm. know, and would prepare questions based on the topic we're going to discuss that, that day <clears throat> to just see where the general vibe was, you know, what do you think about X or multiple choice questions? How would you take it? It was kind of cool via zoom. There's a, there's a feature where you can set up the questions. You put it up on the screen. The students see the questions, Mm -hmm. they answer and you get what percentage has answered and what their answers are. And you see like a bar graph of the answers. And then you can talk about and discuss the answers. Sometimes the results are actually quite surprising. So, you know, I'm trying to learn all these features to just make it as cool an experience as possible uh, so that not only the students or if I'm doing a conference, the attendees of the conference stay engaged. It's also so I stay engaged. You know, yeah. I mean, in your position, I'm sure there's nothing worse than you have someone that you're interviewing that you're wondering, when is this going to be over? Oh, God, this is lead. <laughs> you know, we're <laughs> sinking. Uh, so, you know, it's up, it's up to me to engage as I teach. Yeah. And especially now with, with so many distractions, right? Some might have, some might be married, have kids at home, uh, right. get in those other emails. You got another screen. Um, that's, have you found a way to deal with that? Like, well, the main, the main thing is, I mean, stuff's going to happen. Uh, but the main thing is <clears throat> I have the students and this is even when we're in person, uh, turn off their phones. No phones are allowed in the class. Do they actually listen? You think? Yeah, they do. They do. And uh, it's not because there's a threat of I'm going to fail you today. (laughs) It's not that. The way that I put it is we have a guest today and they have given up their time to come here to talk with you. And they get here on time as I do. And so Show them the show them the respect, and be engaged and pay attention. Don't be looking at your phone and texting people. Uh, that's the least we can do for the people we have who come in and give their time to hopefully <clears throat> enhance our lives and our education. And your class is called Creative Careers, and the way you actually compose the class is very creative. I I don't really know of any other classes or none that I've heard of at least. I've had one that was similar, close, but not that they interview you know people all the time and you get to learn, the students get to learn, and then you talk about it. And you have, you have so many guests, right, that come and get interviewed. How, how many do you do usually, one a week or? Yes, one a week. So the first week and the last week of classes, I don't have a guest. But, so okay. I have about uh, usually 14 to 16 a semester. Wow. And it's, it's such a different approach. Like, cause here you are, it's like a dual learning environment and you get to pick the brains of some of these other individuals that have kind of done it as well. Right. And I take it the feedback's been pretty well, right. You said your, your class I heard has been booked up pretty much every semester. Yeah. Yeah. The feedback is, is really good. Uh, and I think the reason it's really good is because I, care about my audience, what's going to be interesting to them, what's going to be useful to them. Mm -hmm. And when I vet my guests, I don't want people that are going to come in and evangelize about what they do. I want people to come in who will talk about what they do. 
and talk about the challenges and the obstacles they had to overcome. That's one of the things about the book. The book is, is the name of the book, Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas, is the same as the name of the class. So uh, I wanted to replicate the classroom experience. So, you know, <laughs> what if you could come in and ask questions of people who are doing or who are going through things that you want to do or have gone through? And that you can talk about how did they and when did they decide to go all in? You know, when did they make the transition from boss to boss? You know, when, yes. uh, <laughs> you know, and if you can get people who are experienced, who can, or who are willing to share your experiences, their experiences with you, that's a real mm -hmm. gift. And yes. so it's not, it's not a hard ask when I, say to the students, I'd like you to all please put your phones away because it's a, it's a show of respect. And if you're talking to somebody, like if you're in a real situation with somebody and you're trying to talk to them and they're looking at their phone, it's insulting. It is. You know, and I think it's in order to learn, <clears throat> you need to be present and <clears throat> being present is really important. So that means focus, be there listen, ask questions. And the book has um, definitely led to, I mean, the book, the class has led to the book, right? I mean, right. did you, did you plan it that way ever? Or did it kind of no. just like, wow, <laughs> I have so much amazing content here. It'd be a shame. to kind of just let it all go. Right. Oh, I, need to share I knew I had, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, I knew I had, really good guests who are saying really good things and how to share that with a wider audience. I wasn't quite sure how to do that. Uh, there is, as a matter of fact, uh, on, if you go to LinkedIn, mm -hmm. we put quotes from the class. I don't know if you've happened to see those, but they're pretty cool because again, these are really good people who are thoughtful about what they talk about. There is an Instagram, uh, at a creative career yep, that also has awesome. quotes. So uh, the LinkedIn has longer quotes because Instagram, you're limited to a minute, you know, and LinkedIn, I started doing longer quotes. And the thing that I found interesting, it's funny, my sons told me, dad, you're doing all these quotes that are a minute or less, but people engage with longer quotes. Why don't you do longer quotes? One <laughs> was right. <laughs> we started putting up some longer quotes on LinkedIn and they got, much more response. Really? Uh, yeah. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, we're going to be building a YouTube channel around it. We have one that's kind of not, not really populated yet, but we'll be doing that. So, uh, so I forgot where I was going with this, all this promotion going on. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but no. uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to get at that. You know, you mentioned you're going longer with your content and how do you feel about storytelling? Cause that's something that you are definitely believe in. Do you, do you believe in with the side of every, some people are pitching that it's gotta be short. It's gotta be, you know, under five minutes. You have that quick 90 seconds to make an impression or are you still for the whole 30 minutes, 60 minutes, you know, long-term, like, what do you prefer? What's, what's your ideal? Well, that's a great question. Cause that comes up all the time. And when I, early on, uh, when I 
started out and things were transitioning to online. And I kept getting told by clients, oh, people's attention spans are so short that you've got to keep it, you know, under a minute or under 30 seconds. And I said, that's a limit of the technology. Because back then, and I'm talking about in the 90s and early 2000s, when you tried it, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and so when you're trying to play something in yes. a video, because it required a lot more bandwidth and broadband wasn't out there yet, and you couldn't do it through mm-hmm. cable yet, you get the pinwheel going and it's annoying. So you click off. Most people mistook that clicking off for having a short attention span as opposed to just a frustration with the technology because it took so long. I knew that that was going to change. It was bound to change. And now people still use the same comment, well, people's attention span. And I will then say to that person, so do you binge watch anything? Oh, yeah, I binge watched Breaking Bad. It was great. I said, so how long did you watch that? You know, we're watching three or four episodes a night. People watch movies online. So it's not a question of of the length. It's a question of how compelling is the video that you're watching or listening to. And if it's compelling, you stay with it. And if it sucks, you click away because it's really easy to do that. You click away and you go somewhere else. So I don't think it's a question of of, uh, the responsibility is on the programmer, so to speak, to create compelling enough content that engages people. But to discount the idea that, well, nobody's going to listen to this. They don't have that kind of attention span, mm-hmm. uh, I think, is, is false. And the data doesn't back it up. It's an interesting, interesting way of looking at it. That's for uh, sure. We did a series of things uh, for Victoria's Secret, mm-hmm. the Victoria's Secret sport. And they, they had a new head of sport. And they said, you know, the videos that you're doing, because people were exercising along with the models. So oh, it, was, okay. it, was, it was pretty cool. And uh, they said, no, people just want quick, cool visual flashes. And uh, I said, why are you saying that? And it was the same <laughs> low attention span thing. So I went back through the videos that we had done. Without exception, all of the longer videos performed much, much better because then people could engage with the exercise, learn how to do the exercise. And it wasn't just about some quick visual. And so I went back to them with the numbers. I don't like to argue opinions about things like that if there's actual data that you can show. But that's a question that comes up all the time. And that's how I tried to dispel that myth because it's just not true. Well, Jeffrey, I hope you got the memo last night, but we have officially shifted the format of the show to a long form show. (laughs) And this is going to be a three hour minimum uh, episode now. So just to let you know, this is going to be a marathon. Uh, So you have plenty, plenty of time to get through all the content, plenty of promo, everything you need. We have plenty, plenty of time. <laughs> Great relief. Thank you very much. I will try to help keep us both awake. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I hope you blocked off your afternoon because we are going nowhere. 
Yes. You're going to have plenty of content here. It isn't part of this con, uh, podcast that you have a catered lunch delivered while we're doing this. And then later on yes. a dinner, you know, so yes. we can just keep going until yes. we exhaust the audience yes. completely. Yes, we are. We are banking here. So <laughs> yes, yes. You're going to have a bunch uh, coming in. I will just need some more info from you later on. Uh, in the meantime, though, you mentioned, you know, you have some really good guests and, and this has pushed content towards the book, you know, kind of almost indirectly without you really knowing about it from the beginning. And, you know, with your course, what about, have you ever had some really bad guests? You know, because honestly, no, I really haven't because I vet the guests. uh, I talk to them beforehand uh, and try to get a sense of how they talk about what they do. Uh, Try to find out if they're engaging. They may have a really cool CV, but verbally not express themselves well. Uh, you know, so I, <clears throat> I do that kind of vetting and I can honestly say I have not had any guests that I'm sitting there thinking, Oh God, when is this going to be over? I've never had that. I'm very fortunate, but it takes work. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to invest the time uh, to both research the guests, which clearly you do is, you know, when we were talking earlier, you had checked me out. And uh, so you have both have to check them out and get yeah. a sense of who they are. How do they talk? And uh, if you do your homework, that's not to say that they might not have a bad day. And by the way, I might, I could be I, off my game and it's affecting everything. But uh, it's the old, the show must go on. And so I try to be sufficiently pumped and very informed. So I have questions and I'm prepared with that, but it's really my guess, not unlike you, it's a fallback position because if the conversation is going and popping and happening, well, I don't even have to look at my notes Yeah, I'm re- because I've that's done enough research. I can keep going. Right. I mean, do you do the same thing? Oh, that's the best. There's nothing just flowing and going conversational right. and, it's wherever it takes you. I right. mean, you don't, you don't want to, sometimes you don't want to ruin the good that's building there. And, but once in a while, you know, even though when you vet someone like with a podcast, I have the opportunity of possibly editing something out or going through it later on or postponing things. But, you know, someone might comes off a little too salesy or too against your beliefs or too against your shows. And at least I have the, with a podcast, I can do that. But you are doing this live. Like your students right. are watching this. Have you had some awkward moments where like, uh, where did this come from and how did you react to it? Actually, I've had funny moments, okay, but not really awkward. Uh, and that's, you know, it's interesting. I guess it's because I look at it again, as kind of a dance and uh, I look at the interview process mm-hmm. as like jazz improvisation. You know, I've got the melody and then I am ready and well enough prepared for my guests that if they go into something else, I can riff with them so they can improvise for a while. And that improvisation, if I'm feeling that it's, if I'm getting a sense that they've gone so far off, I'll anchor it by bringing them back to a question. Mm-hmm you know, uh, because I want to keep everybody engaged, but I rarely have to do that. You know, I mean, these are really smart people who are giving their opinions or beliefs about certain things. 
And so the thing that happens, which actually happened to you and I before we even started the interview, is somebody started to, uh, one of my guests started to say something and she said, and so then this fucking, oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to cuss. And I said, you can't say fuck in front of the students. That's just not a good thing to do. You know, you don't want to say fuck because when you say fuck, it disrupts the conversational yep. flow. So to say fuck in front of the students, you just shouldn't fucking do that. And she's cracking up and the students are cracking up. And uh, so it's sometimes, you know, riffing with the moment as opposed to letting it stop you. And so it is a kind of a improvisation, if you will. And so I haven't had any that are, uh, and, and when is somebody might say something controversial, which is mm-hmm. great because it gives you a chance to open that up to discussion yeah. and so on. And I love that. Uh, I go with that too. You know, like, why did you, why do you believe that? Or, you know, whatever. Um, so I haven't really had that in all these years. I've been doing this class for, I'll be starting my 14th year this fall. Wow. And I have not had anything that's, that's really been a snag. Uh, and, and I look at those as, you know, I'm hosting this party. So how do I turn it into something that's good? And talking about, you know, you are actually in a school, you're, you're an instructor. I have to ask you this. How do you feel about school? Would you have done it? And I know you obviously, you know, you went to uh, Wisconsin, and you've graduated and you got an education, would you have went that same route if you had the chance to go back? Yeah, I would. Uh, And the reason is, uh, what's a few things. Number one, I don't believe you go to school to get an education. I believe you go to school to take an education. And if you aren't aggressively involved in your own educational process, you're not going to get anything out of it. So if you're trying to uh, please the teacher so you get a good grade, then you're not really, your primary goal is not learning, it's pleasing. And to me, the primary goal of education is to learn. So you learn by being challenged and challenging and engaging in that process. So when I started at the University of Wisconsin, uh, one of the first classes that I took was philosophy. I had a double major in philosophy and psychology. And uh, I had never taken a philosophy course or a psychology course before college. And uh, the professor introduced these questions and boom, he would change the direction of the question by just adding another phrase to it. And you had to be really nimble and think on your feet to follow the logical patterns that he was laying out. And it wasn't about a right or wrong answer. It was about how well could you support what your belief was. And I love that. And I loved what it required of me. It wasn't just that I had a strong opinion. It's why do I have that opinion? How do you back up what it is you're stating? And so I, I learned a lot through that. But then the other parts of school, which was equally important, was the socialization. 
of working with other people, of living on my own for the first time since, you know, high school. Yeah. Uh, you know, up and through, up through high school, of course, I always lived at home. Uh, I say, of course, there are people that go away to school before that, but I didn't. And so I think there was a lot of value that came from going to school. I would have never been exposed to philosophy. I would have never been exposed to psychology. I would have never been exposed to students from around the world and around the country. So uh, there's a lot of benefits that are there. And I hear other parents, I mean, I have two kids who, uh, one went to call through college, the other dropped out and started her career. And, uh, both were a students, very, they're very bright. Uh, and they're sort of on opposite ends of the spectrum about the value yeah. of school, which was also kind of interesting, but my parents always let me find my own path. My wife and I are letting our kids find their own path. But I think that I would have done it again. I would have gone to college again. I do think there's tremendous value, but there are parents uh, and others who think that, you know, what's the ROI on how much I'm spending on school? Yep. And I don't think that you, you can put that into dollars and cents. Now, some people have to, you know, when I was in college, it wasn't nearly as expensive as it is now. And I think the cost of education has gone up so high that for those that it presents a hardship or burdens the students with 200,000 or more of debt by the time they graduate, that's not a good situation. And I think Mm -hmm. how college is paid for and all of that has to be rethought in some very serious ways. And and COVID might actually bring that about because of classes being canceled or classes being virtual. And why should I pay the same amount Mm -hmm. for what I'm getting? It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it will be very interesting. And who knows what the outcome will be. But yes, I would have done it again. And I would have gone through college again. And I do think that I got a lot out of going to college. Do you think that due to COVID, we are going to change things? And what do you think is the right way to change the way we pay for college? You know, I, I, yes, I think things will change. I mean, we already know that there are some schools that are planning to go back. Some are starting early, like Notre Dame is starting school early. So you will finish the fall semester when you go home for Thanksgiving and then do your finals after that. Other schools are hoping to start uh, after Labor Day and, uh, you know, and change their schedules so there's not as much flying back and forth. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to tell how things will change. I think we're going to know, we aren't going to know anything until there is a vaccine or a treatment so that people aren't frightened for their health, getting on a plane or being in a a classroom and so on. So until that time, I think we're going to be stumbling and trying to discover what the proper way forward is. I don't, I don't really know. Do you think there should be a bailout of the education system? I think that it is unfair to place a tremendous financial burden on uh, students or their parents so that when the, their kid graduates, they're carrying that much debt. And to those who say that, uh, you know, well, then they should be looking at what kind of job they can get so they can pay that off. Yeah. Uh, that's usually people who are saying that who are wealthier, who it's not a problem uh, for them to pay for their kid's school. Mm-hmm. And I think that the 
unfortunate stratification of income and the gap between the haves and the have-nots, so to speak, keeps getting larger, which creates also a greater polarization in our country. And so I think there are a lot of things aside from the costs that affect how we move forward as a nation and as a culture. There's no question we are better off having an educated populace. And I draw the distinction between being ignorant, which means you can learn, and mm-hmm. being stupid, which is forever. <laughs> so wherever we can take ignorant people and educate them, uh, that's a plus for our society as a whole. So I, I think that, yes, I don't claim to have any of the answers as to how to do it, but I think that these are questions that need to be addressed because it's about our future as a nation. And I think that's really important. And do you have any tips and advice for the ones that have been most affected by COVID right now that are completely out of jobs, you know, can't afford to pay for things? Uh, do you have any advice for them to keep their heads up and what they should maybe do next with their careers? You know, that's a tough question. And uh, my feeling is this, many people have more time now than they've had because they were working all the time or whatever. Uh, I think it's a time to really reflect on what it is that you want to do. And, uh, you know, when the market crashed in 2008, there were a ton of people out of work. Mm -hmm. And entrepreneurship really became a thing, you know. And uh, the inability to get jobs I think inspired a lot of people to try to start businesses. We're going through that again, possibly even worse. So I think that an interesting, an interesting statistic is that so far, anyhow, if you look at the number of startups, the number of businesses that succeed after one, three and five years, and you look at it at any point in our economic history, when they kept those records, the success and failure rate was the same, good times and bad times. Hmm. And there's a pretty strong argument that if you start business in a bad time, uh, and if you're smart about how you started and do it, uh, you can only grow because you're starting off at a very tough point. So you're going to learn a lot of very important lessons about business. When I started my film business, in 82, 83, there was a recession going on. Not mm-hmm. a terrible one, but, a, but not a good one. It was, it was unemployment. I don't remember what the rates were, but they were fairly high. Uh, and I started a new company in that market. So by the time the market had turned around, I was really well positioned to take advantage of it. Uh, so, you know, you have to be smart about what you're doing. Uh, but I do think there is, there is always opportunity. You know, you're talking about Zoom. Zoom has in, zoomed. <laughs> you know, their business yeah. has increased phenomenally during this period. Home delivery of food has increased phenomenally. Streaming services have increased phenomenally. So there's always opportunity. And you just have to look for those opportunities and see what fits with you and what you want to do. You can be really anxious about it and afraid about it, and that's very real. But anxiety doesn't move you forward. So you got to really think about, well, what can I do? What things are happening out there? What am I interested in? 
And where are the things happening that are actually doing well at this period? Yeah. Uh, I know people who have supplement companies. Mm-hmm. Their business has been going through the roof since early March. I can imagine. Because people think that by bolstering their immune system, they are in a better position to fight COVID. Well, there's nothing has been proved that that's the case. But the point is, for the most part, facts don't matter <laughs> in an awful lot of decisions we make. And um, so there's, there's all kinds of exceptions to the rule of businesses failing. There are also businesses that are really thriving. Uh, and so what are those? What am I interested in? And really examine and ask yourself those questions. And what are the opportunities that you could possibly take advantage of? And then you make your decisions as informed as possible. So I think a lot of it is, is basically how you think about things and how you look at things. And that's going to be a great way to end off the first segment of our show. For everybody, uh, be sure to check out new book uh, coming out June 16th. And it, it should be out right around the time when this episode is released. Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. And be sure to check out the website, acreativecareer.com, where you can get the links and more info about the book and Jeffrey Madoff himself. But now, as we close out segment one, we're moving on to our listeners' favorite part of the show. This part, uh, I'm, I, I hope you have had some sort of caffeine or your morning jog or coffee because we're coming for you. So, me, so Miro is actually taking off for this part of the episode. I'll talk to you later, Jeff. It was good, good knowing you. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. But his evil twin, Miko, <laughs> is here. So don't worry. You are in good hands. You are going to have five seconds to initiate an answer. Five seconds. Yes. I have, I have glasses now. Miko, Evil twin is vision impaired. Yes. Is that what you're yes, saying? He, <laughs> he gives you five seconds to initiate an answer. We don't want you thinking about it too much. We just want to know a little bit more about the real Jeffrey. Here we are. Let's go. What is your favorite book? There's so many. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird. Classic. Heuristics and Biases. And Moneyball. Uh, I can't narrow it down to one, but there's a pretty wide range. Favorite movie? To Kill a Mockingbird. And uh, <laughs> I love that here. movie. I love that movie. And uh, On the Waterfront. I don't think I'm familiar with the last one, but I'll have to check it out. It's great. How do you drink your coffee? Through my mouth. <laughs> out of a cup. Be, <laughs> that might be the most clever answer I think we've ever had. That was great. That was great. I can see why you're a professor. I can see it. If I handed you $100 right now and you had to come back to me at this time tomorrow with $200, how would you flip it? Uh, hire somebody for $50 to mug somebody to steal $250. you are you are on a good theme here. I like <laughs> Let's keep this going. If you're stranded on an island and there's one item you want with you, one item you could only take with you, can't be a person, we don't know when you're coming off that island, what is that one item? Uh, a small plane with a big tank of gas so All I can right. get the hell off the island. 
It's not a bad answer either. I uh, don't know where you're going to go because this is the only island on the entire planet, but we'll see. <laughs> it wouldn't make any difference where I went. That's right. <laughs> Who has been or currently is your greatest mentor? Uh, my parents. You know, I learned from them the importance of relationships and that that's the real currency in life. Uh, the importance of integrity because you can only give up your integrity once. And you can never regain it once you do. And uh, so they, and they always supported me in whatever I was doing, even when they didn't understand what I was doing. So my parents. If we gave you an unlimited amount of money and you can start up any business you wanted right now, but it cannot be one of your own, what would it be? Uh I, and speaking very generally, a, some kind of business that would have to do with education that would help contribute to making the world a better place. Plus, I have fun doing that. That's an important part of it, too. Yes. I'm not totally altruistic. I want to have fun. What is, the, what is your most favorite set that you have ever been on while recording? My most favorite set? Yeah, the best set. You're just dying, uh, dying to go to work that day. I, I was doing a very big, uh, actually the big, one of the bigger commercials Victoria's Secret ever did. And uh, we were shooting from a helicopter over lower Manhattan. Whoa. And uh, then we were using motion control cameras to replicate the movements and match the movements of the models as they were jumping off of buildings flying in the Victoria's Secret Angels, if you recall. So I was working. Yes, with, I was working with Academy Award-winning mm -hmm. cinematographer and special effects people to uh, to create this illusion. So I was collaborating with really talented people, uh, and everybody was into it because the models had never done anything like that before. I had never done anything like that before, and it was just a tremendous amount of fun. And uh, so I guess that was probably my favorite set. Yeah, that's that, that's hard to top right there. Well, you have survived, Miko. You are you are you are fortunate. You are lucky. You'll be able to move on with your day. I'm I'm out. We'll, we will hopefully meet again one day. Peace. I hope so too. Thank you. All right, <laughs> Miro is back. <laughs> Jeffrey Madoff, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Be sure to check out his new book, Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas, to be available everywhere, and his website, acreativecareer.com, to check out more about the book. Definitely been a pleasure having you on. The mic is yours if you have any final closing thoughts for our listeners. Well, it's been a pleasure doing this, and I love the fact that what we talked about had nothing to do with what we thought we were going to talk about. <laughs> so you're a man after my own heart, just go for where the conversation goes. So that was wonderful. So thank you for, for that and being so nimble. Uh, and I would also suggest that you know, your, your audience might enjoy seeing Madoff, M-A-D-O-F-F productions.com. So they can see some of the spots that we talked about and that yes. could be fun for them. Uh, I think what's most important is spreading ideas and talking about ideas. And, you know, I think that the trait that's most, impo most important for an entrepreneur is curiosity. 
wanting to constantly be learning, constantly be assessing the world around them, the market that they're trying to sell to, all of that. And I think that uh, shows like yours, which challenge people to think about what they're doing and express what they're doing, uh, do a really good service in that direction. So I'm very happy to have done this and very happy that this is, this is my first podcast. So I thank you for uh, being a guide on an interesting journey. So thank you. Welcome. It's been a pleasure having you on. Not your first ever podcast, first one about the book. Right? Well, that's right. Yes. You, I'm sorry. You were correct. I have done podcasts before. First yes. podcast about the book. That's right. Awesome. Well, uh, nothing like popping cherries on this show. So <laughs> it's been great. It's been a pleasure. We're definitely looking forward to uh, connecting in the future and, and see, uh, see how many people this book impacts going forward. Great. Thank you. It's, by the way, the perfect gift for everyone you've ever met or ever will meet in your life. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Miro. This was great. That is all for this episode of Boss to Boss. Your next step is to visit boss2boss.com, where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. Again, that is boss, the number two boss.com. And remember, the time is now.